Testing, testing. One, two, three. Hey, y'all there? Oh, yeah, boy. We back. I know, I know. So much time has passed since the last time that I've done this. We'll call all the other stuff that has already transpired on the Live Legendary podcast season one. Right? (laughs) I got a chance to kind of re-listen to... Uh, the very first few episodes reminding myself of why I was doing this in the first place. And it was really to capture a glimpse uh, and document a little bit of what's happening in this life that we're building together. Um, And not necessarily just for myself to be able to be reflective, which has been very helpful, actually. You know, I've, I've been watching some of the old uh, Facebook videos that I had posted up and when I was trying to get my life together as far as my weight and, you know, some of the things I was saying was very beneficial for what I'm going through right now as I'm still on that same journey. Hey, 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 look, this, this is a long time journey. When you're a fat kid from Pittsburgh, it's difficult sometimes to lose what you have gained over years and years and years. But we on a mission. That's another conversation for another day. The whole purpose, uh, again, for this podcast, though, is to really kind of document this um, for future generations of my family to know what it took and what we were doing when we were building out the life that we have now and the pieces that have come along with it that are going to be beneficial for them as they're going through their lives in the future. So we're going to get back to documenting. Yes, so much has transpired since the last time that I was able to engage. And I'm not about to rehash all that because it's too much to share. But we are on the way to some glorious things in life right now. So hopefully you are still open to following along on the journey and enjoying the podcast. And uh, yeah, man, let's get back to action. Mad love. Hey, welcome back to the Live Legendary Podcast. All right, so let me get my stuff together. About to walk into work. Yes, we are still here at the Social Justice Learning Institute doing amazing work in the community, serving all parts of L.A. County and the people who live within it. Um, the health equity work, man, has really expanded by leaps and bounds. You know, it's, it's wild because we are now in the ninth year of being with the organization, doing the work in creating health equity for all. Um, a lot of these ideas started originally on a couch uh, and down on 99th Street with Nicole and I. 100 Seed of Change has grown into a full-on series of programs and we're now even at the point where we have to determine if some of those programs are even still viable you know we've got the sunset the csa program it just was not at least in the in the iteration of what we were bringing forward with it it just it didn't work and so we're at at the point now where we're taking a look at all the programs and determining what does work, what can continue to grow and thrive, how we can continue to keep uh, making the impact we want to see in people's lives. 
creating access to healthy foods, also helping to end food insecurity. Um, and also, like, there's a huge food waste problem, too. So we're looking at this from many different angles. But it's time to walk in here and get to work today. She was really good. Yeah. Ah, where's my key? Garrick, good morning. Cool, thank you. Uh, thank you. Cassandra, be right with you, okay? All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Miss Rennies. Mal. Ladies. All right. Time to get to work.
Okay? If you don't create it, if you don't play a role in it, whether it's from a sexual standpoint, from a race standpoint, if your people are not playing a role in it, it's not for you. That's the fact. So either you better be a part of it, or the relevant fact. And a lot of people addicted to hope. Right? We need to be smart financially. The kids going to work in the health environment. Yeah, we got to take a lot of So now one thing we got to take a lot We can have pay. We can have uh, educational equity. What about financial equity? Mm-hmm. Look at all the stuff that's going around here. We're about to see the, the biggest gentrification about to take place in Los Angeles. Ain't we're watching. This already happened. We're watching. Mm-hmm. You know what happened? You know when it started? Ten years ago. Mm-hmm. These plans were set ten to fifteen years ago. But you can't tell a person you don't have a plan for a week. Then look, we got a plan for fifty years, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what are we doing? You know, you know how we teach these young people. Yeah. It's different than teaching a kid a Shamanai or Harvard Westlake. When you're in a place where a system you have benefited from, you learn to conserve. Conservative. Just like politics. You, when you conserve, you're just protecting what you have because it works for you. We can sit in the same kid classroom as a black and Latino with a white child that's in some affluent neighborhood and hear the same things and learn something totally different. Because we behind the ball, yo. We're, we're educated from a revolutionary standpoint. So we're, we're fighters. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. The, the stuff they call stress, we don't call stress. It's life. Right? But the thing is, they know how to live when we've been surviving. And you can't grow thinking survival. Mm-hmm. To survive is to be restrictive. It's minimal. Yeah. It's mediocrity, right? To live is to be abundant. So it's all these things, these kids are just, they ain't anger, it's confusion. Right? So let's get in the picture form. Get that picture form. And we get it. And like I said, you get out of mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going regardless. Well, that, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> that is what we do. Uh-huh. J-L-I? Uh, yes, S-J-L-I, the Social Justice Learning Institute. I am the uh, Health Equity Programs Director. Okay. Of the organization. Uh, in health equity at SJLI, we're really focused on uh, improving the conditions in the built environment in order to make uh, the community more conducive to healthy lifestyles. So what does that mean? Like, it started off with a program called 100 Seeds of Change, which is an initiative to start 100 community school and home gardens throughout the community uh, because there was found to be a lack of access to... Uh, uh, f- fresh produce okay. in the community. Uh, yes, there are eight grocery stores in the city. Uh, the city of Inglewood is nine square miles, but even with that, um, when you go to the grocery stores, or at least back then, this is about almost nine years ago, the produce was low quality, uh, it was high priced, uh, so the, the bar for access was just really too high for folks. Uh, then you also add on top of that when, um, the, the social uh, the social determinants of health. If community members are spending uh, 40, 50, 60 percent of their income, which was found actually in the housing element here in the general plan for Inglewood, uh, on their on housing, they only have 40 percent left for everything else in the household, mm-hmm. uh, which includes food. Um, and so if you're paying for transportation back and forth. So you don't have a car, so you're using public transportation, uh, which takes a lot of time. Um, you know, trying to make sure that your kids have what they need. 
then the opportunity to make healthy decisions about about your health is is really difficult. Again, that sure. barrier is just really high. Uh, so we we work to actually lower that barrier because we believe that your uh, choices are only as good as your options. And so not only do we want to help you make better choices, we have to change the social conditions of the environment that is around you to make sure that there are more options available so that you can make healthier choices. So uh, that's been the work that we've been doing over the last um, uh, nine years uh, through, like I said, the gardening programming. We we have something called Food Without Produce Pickup, which is a food distribution program. Uh, We also started Ingalls First Farmers Market. Uh, We had we had a CSA. We just sunset that program for various reasons. I guess we'll probably talk about that a little later. Um, But then we also work on policy. not just local policy, but also statewide policy, regional policy too. So, okay, yeah, we've, we've been you, busy. You were saying before, you know, if you're spending sixty percent of your income on rent, uh, it doesn't leave much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, why does you know how does that translate into eating unhealthy food? Well, yeah, I mean, you start breaking down what is what is actually being spent for the household income. So you start talking about utilities, right? In uh, in local communities, if you have. Uh, most of the folks, the average family size in Inglewood is about uh, three and a half, four people in the household. Um, and the average rent now it, for a one bedroom is about, I say like fourteen, fifteen, hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So in order to meet that, if if the jobs, because uh, the once you take the outliers of people who are making more than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year, uh, which is which is a low part of the population the um the the average income per capita in, in the city is around uh 25 to thirty thousand dollars okay right so uh if both parents aren't working some sure. folks have more than two or three jobs so you got to spend money to get there sure. so add that like i said the utility costs on top of that uh and the time that it takes to actually be at work then the decision making process around food makes you decide on uh, some of the faster and cheaper options that and you can get to right away. And cheap means what? Uh, fast food, rest, fast food mostly. When you look at the city of Inglewood, uh, a study we did back in uh, 2011, uh, there are over 125 uh, liquor stores and convenience stores here in the city of Inglewood. There's also uh, near 150 fast food restaurants and sit-down restaurants here in the city as well. So the access to unhealthier food options, which also may have cheaper opportunities, is is very high in the city. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're stopping at this Quick corner stop. from here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quick stop. Right, right around the corner, just so you can see. Even yeah, I'll run the window up. Even here, with a organization that's doing this work right down the street from the organization is exactly what we're talking about. Um, what's the, what, what are the demographics of, um, of Inglewood racially? Uh, the demographics, uh, and, and the, the, because the, the numbers have changed over right. the last few years, but we're about, I'll say 45 to 48% African American, um, uh, 50 to 55% uh, 
Spanish-speaking communities of various kinds. Okay. Uh, you know, so it's not just, I, I hate saying Latino because it's not just Latin-speaking communities. It's folks from uh, Venezuela, uh, folks from Mexico, folks from uh, uh, different different countries all throughout. Yeah. And then, of course, you have a uh, small population of Asian uh, folks, I think less than 5%. Uh, and then uh, the white population as well in the city, um, and then various other cultures that okay. exist as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So as you saw from that particular store, like I said, right down the street, it's it's the total. It is the total reason why we do the work we do um, here at the organization. Uh, and you and you can't fault this business owner for doing what they're doing because they're providing. A service to the community of that, this things. place, by the way, was on Centinella, six hundred block of Centinella. Mm-hmm. Lick, JNR Liquor and Market. Liquor and Market. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, like I was saying, like they that that business owner is just doing what he can do to take care of business. Right. Um, he provides a service. He provides. Uh, snacks and um, his, his main business really is the alcohol and and the uh, beer beverages that that he sells. But once you come to come buy those things, you're also coming to buy all the other snacks and goodies that are in the store as well. Right. Um, I'm going to take you down uh, to this side. This is we're, we're headed towards uh, District Two here in Inglewood. Okay. On Centinella. And in this area, uh, this is one of the more affluent parts of, of Inglewood. Not the corridor we're passing through right now, but the, the side that we're headed toward. Okay. Um, and you can see how uh, some of the options are a little bit different when okay. we get to that side of town. Alright. Um, some of, instead of like fast food restaurants, it's more of like sit down restaurants local okay. local business local business as well i'm gonna take you to the la brea corridor um of of the inglewood businesses in district two okay so we just on sentinel i don't know if we're still on sentinella but yeah we still are we still are okay so a lot, yeah, of, business, a lot of auto repair shops tire shops mm-hmm. and, then, and then you also have over here on the corner we're about to pass up uh, so there's a rouse over here Right. What's a Rouse? This is a Rouse uh, grocery oh, store Rouse. right here. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you have Popeyes and Subway and Domino's and uh, Starbucks is over and here. There's Pizza a donut Hut. shop. Pizza Hut is over here on so your we're right. So the corner of La Brea and Centinella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can count them. Ralph's is on one corner. Popeyes, Domino's, Pizza Hut. The 7-Eleven right of the 7-11, street. 7-Eleven. The pizza another shop pizza that's right up here. There, Jimmo's Pizza. Just in just in this shopping center alone, there's a donut shop. Uh, the ice cream shop is here. Um, uh, ben and, not Ben and Jerry's. Starbucks. Uh, yeah, there's, there's... You know, but, but now we're headed into uh, the other part of District 2. And you begin to see some of the small businesses down here on the La Brea Corridor. Uh, which... Are more you know like the Caribbean uh, restaurants over here? It's a Jamaican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, another piece, pizza. piece of spot. Uh, one of the more popular businesses here in Inglewood. We're about to pass up. 
uh, which is uh, another sit-down restaurant. What's the name of Fiesta Martin? Uh, Fiesta Martin has a taco spot. They have a juice bar. So this is the taco spot. Okay. This is the sit-down restaurant right here on the corner, Fiesta Martin. Okay. Uh, you got the Bayou Grill. Uh, but then they also have a juice bar on the un- another side of town that I'll, that I'll show you as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, so as you can see, when you get to this side of town, things a look a little, little different. A little more options. A little, a little bit more options. And the options, like Fiesta Martin is really popular because a lot of the food that they uh, prepare is a, is, is a lot of fresh stuff. I, I know they get um, fresh produce. Uh, I think two times a week, and that's what they prepare their their, their tacos and their dishes from. It's a mm-hmm. uh, a classic Mexican restaurant, mm-hmm. okay. Mexican grill. So, where do you like to eat most around here? <laughs> I cook at home. <laughs> you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm a heavier type of guy, and uh, I was diagnosed with hypertension at the age of 25. Uh-huh. And at that point, my doctor told me that I needed to change my lifestyle. Because you were, what we, what was your lifestyle? Uh, I was, we was eating fast food. We we had McDonald's two, three times a week, uh, just because I was so busy at work at the time. I, I wasn't working at Shelly. I was working at North of Grumman, so I was spending a lot of time at work. And by the time I got home, we needed to grab you know kind of quick things for the family. So uh, on that side of Inglewood that I lived in, there were twenty five different food options around the corner from my house the nearest grocery store was about two miles away and we didn't have a car so we mm. got what we could get at the time and the food options that were there the 25 food options oh, man. burger king mcdonald's two different mcdonald's rallies uh pizza hut uh subway there were two sit-down restaurants uh there was there was two chinese spots around the corner there was a cvs uh, two liquor stores. I, 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 I'll, I'll drive you over there to show you yeah. exactly what it was. If I go ahead in that direction right now. Okay. Yeah, man. So, so I, it was a lived experience. Once I had to do that lifestyle change, um, and you start walking through the community, you get to see like, oh man, this community is not set up for the success of someone who is trying to live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a problem, and that—that's where 100 Seeds of Change actually came from. The idea to start 100 Gardens in the community just to create an access point. You know, uh, here's the rest of the shopping center I was talking about. Right. So there's like uh, more, more Sub- fast food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Subway. Baskin Robbins is over here. There's a donut shop over here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Rose Donuts. Baskin Robbins, check cashing booth. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So that Rouse is um, one of the one of the eight stores that are here in the city. Um, one of the eight full service markets. Full service markets. Uh-huh. Yeah, that are in the city. In a city of how many people? Uh, a little more than one hundred and ten thousand. Wow. In nine square miles. Right, but as you as you you know you're, you're you're riding down, you see it's like when you, when you, if you're riding through a place like Santa Monica, and and that more fluent community, man, they have they have access to so many other options of healthy food. So it's Astro Burgers, 
El Pollo Loco, another 7-Eleven. That's less than a mile away from the other one that I, that I showed you right, at, uh, Airport right around the corner. Airport liquors and groceries. Yeah. You know? But you can keep your car clean. Yeah, yeah, very much so. A lot, a lot of car washes. There's, yeah. a, there's a few of those. Yeah. Um, so there's the Walgreens and the Bilo Market. The okay. Bilo is not a full-service um, market. Okay. Um, and when you when you go into the produce, the produce that they have there, like the shelf life of their produce is like a few days. Okay, here's Little Caesars, Boston cream donuts and croissants and ice cream. Mm-hmm. And that we're on La Brea. We're on La Brea. La Brea now. at Florence. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what what's interesting though, you know, I, I know there there was an interest in in uh, seeing what what the di dynamics look like in uh, some of the uh, majority uh, Spanish speaking communities look like, especially in East LA. But what right. I've learned from my time here in LA is that a lot of the economically depressed parts of the communities basically have a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. You know, it's really set up the same way. And when we when we go down to South LA, uh, when we go visit CSU, uh, you'll be able to see it was like, oh yeah, it's the same thing. Liquor store, liquor store, liquor store. Right, right. Oh, a, a tire shop. You know, uh, more fast food restaurants, mm -hmm. and then um, sitting right in the middle of all that at the Paul Robertson Center at CSU with their new market that they just built. Um, right. To try so, to create so, an option in the community. So one one healthy market and a sea of yeah. A sea of fast food. Uh -huh. And then and then you can fully understand why the health rates and the uh, disparities uh, look the way that they do when you start looking at the data, you know? Right. Well, what, what is available to folks? What, what are the options? And again, going back to what I was saying, your choices are only as good as your options. Right. So if you don't have any good options, then it's really, really difficult to make good choices. Alright, so we're almost finished with this. I'm about to take him over to Hank's Mini Mart. Uh, that actually went through a market conversion to showcase what health in the built environment can look like when you have owners who are really intentional about creating it. Um, this whole experience has been really cool to be able to drive around in the city and, and talk about why we do this work in health equity at the Social Justice Learning Institute. Um, I, I would say it's, it's really awesome to do because it's reflective for me as I'm going through this internal process of trying to understand and reconnect with why we got into this work in the first place, you know? So to go back to my old neighborhood and to, to show and explain what it was back then in 2010 when we had to change our lifestyles but right around the corner having all those things that are available to us that were not conducive to our healthy lifestyle like I, I, I remember that I remember that feeling I remember that feeling of not knowing what to do because the options just weren't there so over the last nine years we've just been working to create those options that doctor told me to change my lifestyle and never told us how. And we have been on this quest and on this journey 
of learning how since then. And it's been an amazing quest and an amazing journey too, man. I'm grateful for the things that I've learned, the things that we've been able to achieve, the livelihoods we've been able to uh, support, the lives we've been able to touch, you know, and, and that's only nine years in. We're not even done yet. And we're about to really create Health Equity 2.0 and take this thing to the next level. I'm really, really excited about that. Nervous too, though, because you want to make sure that what you're bringing to the table does make the impact that it's supposed to. Like the whole goal is to mitigate food insecurity and always possible. And I think in this next part of the journey that we're about to create, we realize that there's really enough food in the food system. Did you know that 40% of produce that is grown goes straight to the landfill? 40%, yeah. So if we're able to repurpose that perfectly good produce and get it into the hands of people... Just in the way that the system already is done, if we can just make it more efficient, we can really make sure that people have longer and more vital lives. I'm a part, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the group of folks who are going to bring that to life. That's what this is about. That's part of the legacy. Part of why I am living legendary, you know? Yeah, this is dope. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? Good, good. So, Rob, this is Kelly. Kelly, this is Rob. Rob's doing a story on liver disease and the built environments that are that are causing it and stuff like that. And he's looking at different um, different aspects of community. The good and the bad. And so this is definitely one of the good parts. <laughs> Kelly is the, um, uh, her father originally owned Hank's Mini Market. Okay. And, uh, and she helped to get it transformed into what you see today. Uh, wow. This was like uh, early last year or late, la- late yeah, the year? Yeah, around this time. Around this time last year? Next, on the seventh, next month will be the year. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm sorry, it's Kelly and... Yeah, Kelly. K-E-L-L-I, Jackson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what was, why did you want to transform, what was this market like before? And what's it like now? And why why did you want to make the change that you made? Um, so I grew up in the area and uh-huh. um, grew up in the store. And really so did. Like how old were you in the store? Um, probably like middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. So you were stocking shelves. 1997, yes. yes. Stocking shelves, waiting on customers. Yes. And from, mm-hmm. from middle school on. Yes, with my dad and um, family, and then going to school, and well, I went to school in New Orleans and came back, and college in New Orleans? Yes, Dillard University, and then came back and went to USC, and went to the Public Art Studies program, and in that program, it was a very small program where I was able to research a lot of things and took some planning courses, and so then for me, just driving around the city and always having to drive to the west side, I started really thinking about why aren't things changing or growing on this side of town in the store. Why did you have to drive to the west side? Um, to go to more fun things like art exhibits, art exhibitions, um, to sometimes shop 
it's um, a lot more vibrant on the west side versus here in our community. Mm -hmm. And so in my classes, I was always learning how art can help reimagine places and spaces and, and, and learning the history of black history in, in LA and about Hyde Park in my studies. Um, was very inspired by how do I take this space um, and figure out how to transform it. And then in figuring that out, um, and, and this idea of taking over the business, because it wasn't really my idea of what I wanted to do. Learning and understanding that it's a gift that our family has its own space in LA and in South LA. Um, you own the, do you rent the, prep the, no, so they, own the it. Yeah. they own it, they own the property. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, um, just trying to see how I can take the store over and it reflects more of my dreams and my reflections and that's incorporated art and then met the LA Food Policy Council who helped me understand so I met the LA Food Policy Council in maybe 2014 and they uh, helped corner stores transform or update their stores and bring healthy access to healthy options That's a really big deal. So, so now, what? What's your customer base, and what do you sell? Um, so we really transformed from a corner liquor store into more of a shopping space for the community, and so where we brought in more health, healthier options with produce. Um, we partnered with every table to have the fresh to go um, plates, bowls. And yeah, so if you want to get something to eat for lunch, oh. you can grab one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and just, we still have the stuff that we usually have in the corner store, but we have better options as well. And over time, we're going to continue to grow our inventory to have even more uh, healthier options. Just want to um, not alienate the customers in the community already and really um, introduce them to new things. And in that process, our customer base is our old customers, new customers, and then people that are hearing about the store and we're the ones support locally, um, women-owned, black-owned, and um, you know neighborhood-owned, neighborhood stores. Mm -hmm. And so we shifted from just this corner store sells liquor and beer and not so good snacks into a shopping experience for the community. And so they're picking up their groceries. People that were buying that healthy items now that they have the options of better um, um, produce and healthier choices, they are actually buying those too. So we've really turned ourselves into more of a shopping. If you can't get to the grocery store or you forgot something at the grocery store, now you know to stop here and pick up like, tomatoes or lettuce or taco night or like, like that kind of Okay. And so, what's the, um, how has the, like, how have your sales shifted, like in terms of the kinds of items that, you know, what are your big sellers now, and how has that shifted over time? Well, we were, before the transformation, we were primarily a beer, liquor, soda, and now it's more groceries. So people are coming in and buying water or kombucha, because most times in a corner store in our neighborhood, we don't have kombucha. <laughs> and so, uh, I've or, never seen that before. Yeah, or the, um, the um, coffees or uh, cold coffees and stuff like that um, and then they're picking up lemons or other items to go with 
like it's it's a great mix and combination now where it's really turned into more of a grocery experience for everybody and mm-hmm. they're bringing their families in but like the stills come in and they have their daughter carter mm-hmm. how old is she carter's four now yeah. she's four and so she's accustomed to coming in when every time they stop by they're very supportive of us um and she goes straight to the produce table and picks up apples or oranges and bites yeah mean, like she just we didn't not. buy it it's all me yeah <laughs> And so the way that raising your rate, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then having the options right in front of them, available to them. Like a lot of the kids when we first opened, I think the cleaner open space is very friendly. Uh-huh, um, yeah. And things are at their level, so they're able to really connect with the space. Mm-hmm. And they do go to the produce and cleaning spaces. And so um, we wanted to not only provide options of healthy food, but have a space where we can gather and grow. And so in, we've had. Um, Art, we had one or two um, gatherings for art workshops for the kids. Right, Our consistent program right now has been nutrition workshops and we work with the Social Justice Learning Institute. Actually, on Saturday of this month, we'll have our, we, every month on the third Saturday of the month, we have, they come in and provide our nutrition workshops for the community. I'm going to get ready for that too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, yeah, so that's the understanding too. Like, it's important to have these options, and, but we also need to have this education component where we're having this conversation of why we should eat healthy or um, have the conversation of why we should shop locally and grow in, um, with the community. And then that's where our whole message of the Stronger Together comes into play, is that this kind of circular uh, support system uh-huh. of the um, Sweet Green, the Ellington Posse, really. Um, committing to our vision and helping us with this huge project, this dream of mine, and then um, us really funneling that back into the community and them coming. And then the only way that it's all stronger and sustainable is the community coming to the events, but also supporting the business. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so Good. when did uh, your... Harvard. Huh? No, my dad's still Oh, yeah. Yeah. you want to talk to Kevin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he loves it. When we talked about this, we've been talking about the transformation for a long time. And so when I told him that Sweet Green and Ellie Foucault was coming to help us transform it, he didn't believe me. Like he thought it was real, just a bunch of talk. And that wasn't going to happen. But it wasn't until he came in uh, February last year and saw the place open, all cut it out. And nothing here anymore. He was like, oh, you were really serious. <laughs> so he's very proud now and he's really excited about the space. So you going to be coming and work at all? He comes. He'll be here this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he loves. Yeah. He, he says he works, but he kind of like loves to um, take time to listen and, and have conversations with the community and people that are coming in. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I think we'll stop right there. This tour was really amazing. You know, I'm glad I got a chance to do it today. I don't want to belabor the point, though. I think you kind of get it. Uh, we got a chance to stop past Village Marketplace run by CSU. Had a, a little bit more longer of a conversation with Kelly from the Hanks Mini Mart. We stopped past a f- few of our gardens in the city. It was it was really awesome to kind of revisit everything. I really appreciate uh, Kaiser Health, which was the entity that the gentleman was doing the interview for. We're actually covering this part of the story and being open to letting us share the work that we've been up to and the impact that we've been able to make. 
but also, you know, to tell the tale of two cities in one city, you know? So, I hope you enjoyed all that. But we're going to go ahead and get get to the rest of the day. All right, peace. Oh, man. What a day. What a, what a day. So, after doing the tour today, got a chance to get back into the office and to work on some invoicing with one of the funded partners that we have. To get that taken care of. We also had to prepare for tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is our Food for Thought Produce Pickup. It's an event that we do in partnership with Food Forward, another organization that does a fantastic job of gleaning produce. When I was talking about the 40% of produce that gets wasted, kind of just thrown into the trash, thrown into the dump. Well, that's actually perfectly good produce, majority of it. And Food Forward is an organization that has the ability to get access to those things from the farmers before it even goes in the direction of uh, being dumped so that organizations like ours can get it into the hands of families in our communities. Uh, you know, this, like I said, it's perfectly good produce that can be consumed instead of being thrown away. And, you know, it's amazing, amazing how much produce you can divert and to get into the livelihoods of people so that they can have longer and vital lives, right? That's what this is all about. So yeah, so anyway, that event is tomorrow. Uh, it's kind of a big day. It's an all-day affair. And we got some volunteers coming out and we had to load the truck up and stuff for that. Then later on in the evening, I went to a meeting with AHA and the NFL and community members organizing around what we want to see to help support our youth having more physical activity, but also looking at the social determinants of health and how the NFL that is now coming into our city can participate in solving some of these issues now that they are a neighbor of ours. So uh, that was a good discussion, man. I'm just glad to be home to kind of just chill and relax, spend a little bit of time editing this particular podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it, man. A little mix of what's going on throughout the day some good new music that you might not have heard and you know just kind of carrying the mantle forward Whew. but like i said i'm glad it's over now on to the next one i hope you have a fantastic day and more than anything as always i want to make sure that you are living legendary peace <laughs>